From 11FS, I'm Sam Mall, and this is FinTech Insider. Today we bring you the Tao of digital banking, to be or not to be, innovation theater, and digital banking ain't easy. Welcome to a special edition of FinTech Insider. We're coming to you live from the Fifth Third Bank offices in lovely Cincinnati, downtown Cincinnati. For our European listeners, uh, Midwest, kind of, kind of, middle of America. Look for Michigan, look for the Great Lakes, and go south a couple hundred miles. We're right across the border from beautiful Kentucky. And I learned today that Peter Frampton used to live here, so it just got cooler. And Bootsy Collins, which no one in Europe knows who I'm talking about, but Bootsy was easily the coolest man that ever lived, and he is from Cincinnati. I'm Sam Mall. I'm your host today. Let's get on with this. On the show, we're joined by some awesome guests from Fifth Third. This is almost like a takeover show from Fifth Third Bank. We have Melissa Stevens, who's the Chief Digital Officer, Head of Design and Innovation and Customer Experience. Is that everything? I think so. We're going to go with that. All right, let's take For it. For today, that's Melissa's job title. We have Justin Hendricks, who's the VP and Senior Manager with the Innovation Team. Hey, Justin. Howdy. And Joel Kashuba. Oh, my God, dude. I he got it. it right. SVP of Design Innovation and easily the coolest jacket and VR headset that matches. And Laura will take a picture <laughs> of that so you all can see that. And, and easily, no offense to you, Melissa, the best hair in the room. Welcome to the show. Great to have you all with us. You all ready? Yeah. yeah. All right, let's immediately go. dive into it. First topic, the Tao of Fifth Third. So we're talking about innovating within Fifth Third. One, I think we should just define who Fifth Third is. In, uh, of the three of you, who wants to take that one? I'll take that one. So Fifth Third Bank is what's called in the U.S. a super regional bank. Um, we're very super. a super regional. Super. We're, uh, we're we're very large. We're we're one of the top fifteen banks in the nation in terms of looking at deposits. The commercial meaning banks for businesses. Business is across the United States from a national footprint. The retailer consumer side really goes across ten states in the core of the United States of America. So start in Michigan, work your way to Chicago, which most European uh, listeners would have at least heard of. We're Work your way down through the core and jet out over to Florida, which again most people have heard about. Um, and so that is where we are located. As a bank, we've been around for 160 years. Over the course of time, a lot of different mergers, acquisitions, comings together. We actually represent a total of 411 different previous institutions that have come oh, together as, yeah, <laughs> as, as Fifth Third Bank. Um, and we plan to be here for much longer. Uh, our real vision for the company is to be the one bank people most value and trust. The core of our company is about relationship banking. We still believe in relationship banking. We believe that that's what matters most for individual consumers and for companies. Um, and that's what we're here to continue to iterate on and to make better as we move to the to the next set of things that we'll do as a company. And you, you talked about your footprint from a geo standpoint. Yeah. That is pretty unique to the U.S., right? When you Yes. We've got, um, I've said this a couple of times, well over 10,000 banks and credit unions in the U.S. So um, to say you don't have a lot of choice in banking here is actually not a great statement, as right. you, you would hear in the U.K., for example, or in Europe. But it is very regional, even, yeah. even, for, the, even for the biggest players, right? I mean, City heavy in New York, Chase heavy out of Chicago, Wells heavy on the West Coast, and then Bank of America down in Charlotte. So they're, they're actually regional by design, too, but they have national charters. Y'all just applied for a national charter. We did indeed. We did indeed. So you want to conquer the world? <laughs> we want to be in the places that matter most to the customers that we're trying to serve. That's a very good answer. <laughs> your, your marketing PR person in the corner, Laura, is just like, oh, my God, that was just awesome. She, she nailed it. <laughs> so it's interesting within the U.S. We talk a lot about this at um, 11FS, about the money that's been spent 
around digital. And you're all, every one of you represent digital um, in, in some respect for the bank. But I know there's estimates, I think E&Y had something like $250 billion spent since the market crash around digital. So it's not like money's not going there. I think I read that 82% of U.S. commercial banks plan to increase their fintech investment over the next three years, which made me smile. But from a fifth, third standpoint, you've really put your money where your mouth is. Y'all spend a lot of time with the fintech community. Did that surprise you when you came to work here? Because you've only been around about a year. Because your background was in what? In engineering, right? Yeah, yeah. So coming to Fifth Third uh, was a kind of just a delightful surprise to see that they actually engaged in so many things that were not just the classic banking world. Uh, to be quite honest, coming into banking, you know, the hi history has not proven well for banking in terms of being a really cutting edge, exciting, thriving place to be. And to see that involvement in the community uh, from a fintech perspective and just technology evangelists in general, it, it was really exciting to join a team that was um, it, talking to it and stepping up and, and doing a lot with uh, what they were professing. You know, every bank says that though, right? Every bank says that they want to have a relationship with their customer. Every bank talks about being innovative, right? So what makes it different here? Joel, you want to take that? Yeah, you know, I think it's it's um, the same thing that sets us apart, you know, even, even when we talk to our customers in our bank branches is, um, you know, it's the human touch uh, that Fifth Third really is out there, like working with our, our fintech partners. And I mean, for me, I know it was one of the things that really attracted me here. Um, it's it, it's the, the very personal, warm, relationship-oriented um, sort of way we go about things as a, as a bank. Um, when I, when I first started uh, looking at the banking sector as like an attractive place to go as a designer and innovator, you know, Fifth Third uh, was one of the first that came to mind. I, I a stint of my career was at Procter & Gamble right down the street here in Cincinnati. Uh, but something that was really interesting to me about Fifth Third was that, you know, they owned the heart of this city. It was all about being with the people where the people are. And um, there's, a, there's a sincerity to that, that relationship element. We take that into the, um, the, the fintech space with us. So getting to know and vet uh, the individuals, the propositions, the companies, all of the things that are out there, uh, it's really what we do. <laughs> you know, it's funny because, you know, you talk about the ability to innovate um, at scale. And in the U.S., if you're, if you're not familiar with it from a listener standpoint, um, it, it is slightly lopsided. So I said there's 10,000 banks and credit unions, um, the top four an asset size are just ridiculous, right? I mean, it's easily, I think number four is three times the size of Goldman who comes in just underneath them, right, in, in assets. So the, the money that would normally go into this space when you talk about innovation. But from a fifth third standpoint, you've proven that you can play in that space, right? I mean, I think you had like 100 million a year invested mm -hmm. from, from your CEO when it comes to working with fintechs? Yeah, and I think one of the, and thank you, for one of the things for us that I think is really important, and Joel hit on a little bit, is that it's about being there with and for them. And so as we started to look um, at investing in fintechs, and I come from a company who invests in a lot of fintechs and startups in general, um, we, we, ha we, we moved ourselves, frankly, a few years ago from straight up venture investing uh, into actually more strategic investing. And so we were looking really at four key things. And, and those things that had to do with, yeah, should we inject equity and could we get a return? But frankly, while returns are important, that's less what we're looking for. What we're looking for are, are there leaders we believe in? Are there leaders that we think we should be attached to or partnering with that we think are gonna make a difference? 
whether it's the exact thing they're working on right now, or it could be the next thing that that turns into. The other thing we're looking at is, could we commercialize their offering for them, right? Do they have a great solution, a great product? Is that something we could bring to our customer base? Or do we have something great that they might want to pair with the offering that they have and bring that out to them? And so in all cases, we're looking across a couple of strategic elements and trying to figure out the right way to play. And so as we started to put the $100 million in, what we were looking at is not a commitment. We never stood up in front of anyone, Sam, and said, hey, we're going to put 50 million out there. We're going to put 100 million out there. What we did is we looked for opportunities and partnerships that fit some of the criteria. Our goal is three out of four of those posts. Sometimes it might hit two. And then we just started doing it. And once we had done enough activity and started participating in the fintech ecosystem, in the community, and started collaborating, then we started talking about what we had done. And so one thing that is big for us is sometimes we're going to point to left field and we're going to say, hey, we're going to hit it there. A lot of times we're actually going to do the slugging it out, the working hard, the figuring it out. And then we'll let you know what's going on as part of that journey and invite people to be part of it with us. You know, it's interesting, though, from your, your comment about reaching into the community, because you're this is... Cincinnati, yeah, right. Um, you're not San Francisco when it comes to Silicon Valley. You're right. not New York when it comes to Silicon Alley, yep. and a plethora of those. So how do you how do you overcome that? Because obviously you have, but how do you do that? How do you engage? Does that mean you have to look outside of your footprint? Yeah, I, I think a couple of things. One. We um, we find the, we find great partners to partner with us to help locate those types of opportunities and partnerships. One company that we've had an exclusive deal in the U.S. with is QED Investors, um, and they've been huge for us in terms of what Nigel and Frank and the team there have done. Matt, is that Matt Burton? QED? Matt's there now too, and you just uh, chatted with him recently. Yeah. A good, nice shout out to Mr. Burton. Yeah. We like Matt. I think he's fantastic. Um, and, and as the team sort of brings opportunities together, we're, we're at the table from time to time with them. We also have other places like that that we reach out to to help connect us. In addition to that, we've got our eyes and ears in different places that we operate. So while from a U.S. regional footprint standpoint, we're not on the coast, we are actually in the central corridor of the United States, and there's a ton of fantastic activity going on here, whether it's things happening in Chicago, things happening um, in, in the Carolinas and around the, the Raleigh and the and the Charlotte areas and other places like that, or just other things that some of our clients might come with where they know folks um, who are trying something out who they want to hear have us exposed to. Now, right here home in Cincinnati, we've got a lot more activity than anybody realizes. We have a fantastic um, company here called Centrifuse. We have another one... Um, formerly called the Brandery, that's still the, that's still the name. And they've got funds that we don't invest in, but that bring actually a lot of startups to life. And then we participate in mentorships, in opportunities to speak with them, to advise them, to guide them, and sometimes find partnerships with them to actually get things going. I think one of the things I think is hard at scale, especially with what you all are involved in, is you can get lip service to, to digital transformation, right? I mean, it, it, you can you can build a really cute floor and put a ping pong table in and say that you're doing this, but um, I think it's building that team out one and then having executive um, leadership to really push that. So talking about external talent, so both Joel and Justin, you guys are not long-term employees of the bank, right? So what was your background prior to coming here, Joel? Uh, my background prior to coming here was uh, design and innovation. Um, I uh, worked, like I said, I was at uh, Procter & Gamble for almost 10 years. Uh, went to uh, S.C. Johnson, where I was a founder of uh, design innovation for that company, um, and uh, also worked in a lot of uh, M&A work there as well. And then uh, went to the agency side, where I was head of innovation for uh, Web Devlom out of Chicago and London, uh, so doing a lot of consulting across Fortune 500s, innovation pipelines, maturity, methodology, what have you, uh, all before coming to the bank. So, um, 
Yeah, the, the background definitely was not in banking. Um, I, there was a lot of cliches. There was a lot of uh, four-letter words thrown at me over LinkedIn when I told uh, most of my colleagues that I was coming into the banking industry. I'm not surprised by that well, either, <laughs> by the way. Is it? It's like, what? Are you just... Are you, if well, yeah, words, are you committing career like, suicide as an innovator designer by coming to a yeah. bank? Uh, yeah. Are but, you selling out? Are you... Yeah, yeah. all of that stuff except with four-letter words. Um, and, and, awesome. You know, but but for me, too, as an innovator, is is that tells you a bit of... of how much room there is for improvement. I mean, it, it is a, a space that often is so unsexy from the idea of the customer experience that um, we've got a lot of room to grow and improve and improve and improve. And if, I can't think of a more meaningful thing in most Americans' lives to improve on. You know, I don't, I don't know that um, d- does the, the world uh, need yet one more um, uh, fast-moving consumable? M- maybe, maybe not, but but people do need to navigate their finances on a daily basis. So it is, it's enormously impactful and rewarding work too. And there's just tons of room for us to improve. And then Justin, really you excited. came from GE, right? On the uh, an engineering side. Yeah. So I, I was part of uh, GE Aviation Software Engineering Group and spent a lot of time looking at how do we how do we bring industrial assets into the modern era and be able to track efficiency and track optimization? So a lot of really cool, tangible stuff. Uh, for me, that challenge, though, coming into the world of banking, you know, it you lose a certain amount of uh, tangibility to it. You're, you're dealing with financial well-being and financial health and money movement and things that for many people are very... It's fluid, it's dynamic, but it's also just kind of make-believe. It's something that happens off in a bank account someplace. Uh, Much like with Joel, though, like coming here, there's no other facet in life where it it impacts everybody on a daily basis, whether you're, you know, just coming out of school and you have student debt, whether you're buying a home, whether you're retiring, it has some impact on your life. Uh, And it's one of the few areas where people have pretty much just become complacent with how it is. There's this expectation, uh, like the responses of, oh, you're going into the bank. Well, yeah, everybody just has this notion. So it was both this opportunity of, hey, you can go to a place where you can change something that really does impact everybody's everyday life. And it's a place where you can completely work to disrupt how people perceive it. Uh, and for me, that's exciting. I, I see that you know, bringing the world of engineering and software and all of that into this world of banking is a huge opportunity uh, to really disrupt but have impact in that disruption. So Melissa, as somebody who runs this team, how hard is it for you to work with HR or heck, procurement to say, I'm looking outside of what we normally do? Is that difficult? You're smiling. Um, well, depending on the day, I think everything's difficult or nothing's difficult. Um, so the way I look at it, I've been here for three years, right? And I do come from the banking industry, uh, but I I came to be part of a transformation and and to be one of the leaders of that transformation. And so uh, back to your point about, you know, a CEO writing a check, I, I feel very enabled um, and very supported in the effort to uh, drive this company to the next place that it needs to be. And so we've got the support we need in the C-suite. We've got the support we need at the board of directors level. Um, slogging it out on a day-to-day basis um, is sometimes easy and sometimes hard. We like to say there's opportunities at every corner that we look at. <laughs> um, but the reality is we've we've had really good success. Um, and I think that we are just starting to find 
the, pay, the, the beginning of the pace that we need so that we can actually accelerate even more. We, we've got the right buy-in, but what we start with most of the time, and I'll just use um, our, our great partners in human resources, we start with why are we trying to do it? What are we trying to achieve? Um, and then what does the profile of somebody look like? As you guys were talking and Justin and Joel were sharing, I was like doing a quick just sketch to say, how many people have we hired since I got here uh, percentage-wise outside of the banking industry? And the answer is across my digital teams, the user experience designers, um, as well as the innovation team, I've hired 50% from outside of banking, and that's incredibly purposeful. It's incredibly purposeful. And the idea is not that anyone in banking is bad, hopefully. I mean, I've been in it, and I feel pretty good about myself. Um, but it's that combination of ideas and that different way of looking at the world. If we're truly going to enable our employees differently, you've got to have that outside-in perspective. And we have hired people from other banks, and that's been important. But you can't get everybody that's been in the same, like swimming in the same pool, or you just won't get that awesome melt of ideas. Yeah, so yeah, that 50% stat. There's a sound bite. So you're gonna have this picture of you on Twitter with that little <laughs> sound bite. Run. I already know that. So that's a good line. All right. Now, the, the one other thing I think that is slightly unique about Fifth Third is your CEO actually had been in a CIO role. Yeah. And that's not normal in a bank. Normally, no. it's a CFO. No. Not naming banks, but maybe some of those that we all worked with had a long history of having CFOs run this. Um, what impact does that have? Having a CIO, a former CIO in charge. Yeah, I'd say I I let one of these guys add on, but um, for me, it's huge. When I talk about uh, three reasons that I joined Fifth Third Bank, that is my number three reason. It's a very unique profile. Our CEO uh, grew up at GE, grew up at Emerson Electric, um, came over to Fifth Third Bank as a CIO. That was his first entree into banking and then and then moved up from there. He has a unique perspective. He believes in and supports technology and innovation, but not for the sake of technology or the sake of innovating to innovate. He believes in it actually if it's going to drive a better client experience, if it's going to drive a better solution and therefore get a better outcome. And so he understands at this point being out of tech for a while, he understands enough to be supportive. Um, and, and he trusts those that are with, that are working with him and for him to do better with it, but he's not going to jump on the next shiny object that we see come out. Um, sometimes I like to joke in the U S that many executives like to head out to uh, Silicon Valley, breathe, breathe the air. Right. And then they come back, uh, with their fresh Silicon Valley air and we've got five new acronyms of tech things we need to do. Um, we sometimes here go breathe the air, but we don't come back and change the strategy. We come back with more support to double and triple down. And that's what Greg brings to us, which I think is fantastic. I think the shift now is, yes, uh, especially in banking, you'll, you'll take the executives out to Silicon Valley and do the tour. But if you work in Silicon Valley, you're going over to Hong Kong and yep. Shenzhen mm-hmm. and then doing the tour there, right? Because yep. there's so much disruption. Yep. There's so much. Yeah. That, so we've definitely seen a shift when it comes to that. All right. Well, that was the this was the very nice honeymoon period <laughs> of, of the podcast because we've made Fifth Third look golden. And I'm sure we'll send you the recruiting page, everybody, so we can go and work. But now we're going to move into the harder part, which is how do you actually execute, right? So the second part is digital banking ain't easy because the timing of this is perfect. Um, right before I flew into Cincinnati about a week ago, Chase announced that they're sunsetting uh, Fin, which was their digital wallet that they had launched. And a million articles I actually got hit up by Bloomberg this morning to give my, my take on it, right? Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? What, what type of thing is this? So I'm going to work my way around all three of you and ask your opinion. Um, when you look at what, what happened with Finn and what Chase has done, do you think this is a good thing, a bad thing? And Justin, I'll start with you. And, and if so, why? So, you know, what was mentioned earlier about being a relationship bank, uh, one of the big things I see in a lot of the digital offerings out there is they lose sight of the, the human involved. And I, I think... 
what is a challenge about all this new digital world that we're living in is too often we just get hung up on the digital aspect of it and we lose that relational aspect. Uh, I think that's where Fifth Third differentiates itself greatly is we haven't lost sight of having that relationship, of having a, a human who has needs, who has desires, being at the receiving end of whatever tools. So to see companies that are um, faltering or, or trying to figure out what their next play is, I see it as really exciting for us because it, it shows and, and gives some uh, credence towards, hey, there, there's something more than just being digital for the sake of digital. Uh, so I see that as exciting. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. You know, it's not digital just for digital's sake. It's, um, it, it's meeting the customer in a way that they want to be met, but at the same time, knowing that they are savvy enough that they also want the best offering that you can get them. Um, and you just nailed a, a very important point, I yeah. think, right there. It's not one thing to make something bright and shiny. Correct. There has to be value in it. Yes. Or you're not going to get a long-term engagement. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and the, the consumers are savvy. They are going to be looking around for deals. And, yes, your deal might be over a digital offering, but if they find something better somewhere else, you've got to win them still. It's a very, very competitive market space. I think it was very red ocean. So I, I definitely echo Justin's comment on digital. You know, if it's digital just for digital's sake, you got to question why. Um, but you know, even beyond that, for me, having a sense of empathy for the consumer, how are we putting the absolute best deal in front of them that we possibly can and know that we're competing in that red ocean space? Well, I like red ocean. So I know yeah. blue ocean. Yeah. So what, what do you mean by red ocean? I'm well, the old man. Red ocean's when you're sailing into a sea of blood because there's so much competition. That is it's, now the name of this fierce. episode. We've it's shifted fierce. from Bootsy <laughs> Collins and whatever the hell right. it was at the beginning to red ocean. Yes. As designer, it's like designers, the red there's blue oceans are fun. You get to create, so you know, it's, oh, it, they, they are really that. fun. But, um, but, but red oceans are equally important. Now, you might, you might be fighting a more incremental uh, battle at that point. Uh, understanding the features, the functionalities, the value equation, um, but uh, but there is a lot to be won there. And the reason that red oceans are red is simply because there's a lot of consumer need there. Uh, and the more you can differentiate yourself, the more you can have empathy for what that consumer need is, and know your insight, and then build around it, the better. All right, Melissa. So you've you've operated at scale uh -huh. at, at very large. I mean, you you were at City for years, um, and again, you've been doing this successfully at Fifth Third now um, for quite a while. How do you look at the Finn rollout and, and, and what's happened? Sure. I mean, I, it's, it's interesting, right, to watch last week as they messaged their clients and then as it got into the press, right? I was they messaged like, first. Yeah. That's the part I think they did wrong. Why? Because it's, you know what I mean? It, personally. Yeah. It's like, I, I get that, but uh, you, you didn't, oh my God, <laughs> get in front of the story. <laughs> Here's, or, or the flip is, and this is what I've thought as I've been reading things and watching people post and repost over, over the last week, right? If, or did they, is it just the way we all decide to interpret, right? Like you're quick to say, okay, so, um, you know, Chase, Chase is one of the top four in, in terms of size of assets, as you said, um, where I came from is one as well. People are quick to let the giant, to, to want to, to want to, you know, kill the giant, if you will. And so immediately everything comes out as this is a fail. This is this, this is this, right? Well, I actually think likely I'm not on the inside. There's a lot of learnings from the way they did it and what they did. There's a lot of learnings on, does it make sense to target the millennial population specifically or not? The visualizations the right way or not um, is actually bringing it back into the core, which personally is one is is a philosophy I subscribe to, and then just altering and, and taking that learning that iteration is that the better way? That's not the way they told their story. So I, I you know I can't I, I don't know what their full story is, but I look at it and go I don't see it as a fail. I see it as a good try to actually deliver something to a set of clients, if you will, 
and then figure out whether that's going to work or not. And I think the bigger you are, the more everyone wants to say, oh, you failed, you did this or you did that. But we like to walk around and talk about iterating and understanding the client and meet the customer where they are and then change with them as we need to. We're not going to all get it right all the time. We don't at Fifth Third have the money to spend like that and then get it wrong, if you will. Um, but I don't know if they like. I don't think this chapter. Th this chapter is closed. I think the next chapter might actually even be more successful for them, depending on the way they decide to take their learning. So, I, I found it more interesting than the closing down of the specific offering to watch all the coverage of it and try to figure out how much of this actually is centered on what the customers maybe are giving feedback about versus what all of us decide that we think we want to judge it about. Yeah, I'm a blend of all three of you, right? I think we we hold folks to a double standard, yeah. right? If this was a startup, you know, out of Silicon Valley and they made this run and, then, you know, they just couldn't get the Series B, well, good on them. And the fact that Chase did it, it's fun to point and said, yeah, you guys did bubbles and it didn't work, you know? I wasn't a fan of the bubbles, but I get the bubbles, right? Um so I, I, I actually can give them some slack on this, right? At least they tried. Yeah. Right? This is a chance for folks how to learn to, to work iteratively, to, to be agile-ish, um, to, to get that direct feedback from the customers. I mean, there's little things like I don't understand only the St. Louis rollout. I don't understand the obsession with millennials. Um, but again, at least they tried. They went out there and actually did something. And I think it's interesting because we're about to see a plethora of companies come over from the UK and hit the US. So we've got Monzo. Um, that's coming. If I don't say Monzo on one of the podcasts, there's like, you know, we, we lose a million dollars. That's not true. <laughs> it just feels that way. So I actually had somebody say, can you guys quit talking about Monzo so much? No, because Jason helped found him and we like Monzo. Um, <laughs> sorry. And it's good. And it's good. And sorry, it's good. Paul Amasino, there's your shout out. I love you too, but we're going to keep talking about Monzo. But Monzo's coming, uh, N26, Revolut, Starling have all stated their intention of coming to the U.S. We're talking these digital only players trying to make it in the U.S., do you think they're going to be successful? I think they'll be successful with pockets of the population. Um, I think it de it depends on what one's definition of success is. Um, and that sounds really flippant, but I, I mean it very sincerely, right? And so it depends on what they're trying to do. If you're trying to um, continue to help transform an industry where, as Justin said earlier, Frankly, even customers have gotten kind of complacent. Oh, this is terrible. I have to do this this way, but I have no choice because I need to manage my finances. If you're trying to disrupt that, I think they'll be very successful at, at continuing to drive that disruption, right? If they're trying to holistically build what I'll call a primary relationship where this is the place you think of as my bank and the place that I'm going to count on and trust for everything in my life, I don't, I don't know that they'll be successful. I, I, I don't, I don't, I have never thought, even when I, in, in the two banks I've been in, that a digital only bank is the play when you actually want to own the whole relationship. Um, that's contrary for most people who have a chief digital officer title, but it is my view. Um, I think there are many things you can do that are separate from the core. And then you take some of that and you, and you bring it in and certain things belong outside the core. So if their definition of success is to holistically own everything about someone's banking relationship, I'm not sure they'll be successful. If their definition of success is actually to get certain parts of the population to do more and more with them, I absolutely think they're going to get there. So it, it sounds flip and I don't mean it to. I, it depends on the definition of success. I do think that they will get a strong foothold with, a cer with certain segments of the population. I do think that they will continue to push a different type of disruption of financial services in the United States. Gone are the, um, you know, the views where it only comes from Silicon Valley or only a couple of startup folks in the United States. This is happening all over the world. And, I, and frankly, from my seat, the more that we can open people's eyes 
to what's going on outside the United States and, and what the pace of change and the pace of disruption is, I think the better for everybody, just, just in terms of being American and trying to do better. So I'm curious, and this is for Joel and Justin, um, one of the, I think, from an outside-in looking disadvantages um, of being at a, a bank at this scale, and it could be any bank in the U.S., is you are heavily dependent either upon your third-party partners, so that'd be your core providers, or even if you have it in-house. Because the reality is, I, I read an article about this today, right, um, this morning, talking about COBOL. Um, and just what, yes, Melissa's already <laughs> laughing, right? So why didn't you study COBOL, Justin? You're an engineer. You'd be making a fortune right now. But the fact that we've got banking systems and ATMs and you take your pick, that's based on a, a very old programming language, and that's reality. But on the, on the flip end of that, you do want to have the relationship with your customers. You want to be as innovative as you can, right, from a design standpoint, an engagement standpoint. How do you do that? So I think a big part of it is, don't get hung up as much on the technology involved. So yes, there are old. Oh, that's a good answer. Can we just stop right there? <laughs> you know what? Honest to God, that is a good answer, though, isn't it? That's yeah. the underlying. It, it is a situation you're in. Yeah, it it is the reality you're in. Uh, if you focus on that, you'll you'll keep finding that as being your stumbling block. If, however, you really look towards that in customer experience and what it is you're striving for you can always layer in solutions on top of it. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, yes, it, there's complexity to those solutions. Yes, there's complexity to adding layers. But if you're really just steadfast focus on what is that minimum thing that I can deliver to delight a customer, the noise of, oh, these legacy systems starts to go away because you're just going to be focused on delivering that one little thing that they absolutely need. So not an MVP, but an MLP, a minimal lovable. Product. I'll Ooh, give you the sticker like that. later. Oh, that's an 11FS thing. You're all are welcome. David Breyer just high-fived me from across the Atlantic. It was awesome. Um, I mean, do you, do you subscribe to that same view? Jim? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and here's what I find funny, because, again, coming from outside the industry, yeah. this isn't unique to banking. When, when you talk about the underlying core applications across most of the U.S., the reality is most of them, I don't care what industry it is, live on older software. So, again, when you look at that and, and when, when you interact with it, what lessons do you bring from the outside to say, how, how do you help the team think differently? Um, I mean, when it, when it comes to the, the systems specifically yeah. that you're getting at. I mean, I, it really is in the same philosophy Justin just articulated. It's really around, you know, don't get caught up in, in exactly what you might be building it from or building on top of. It's what's the end experience you're trying to deliver? Because usually there's like more than one way to skin that cat, and especially if you get really, really creative. You know, I find that um, the more we think like holistically about the experience, there are so many elements beyond just the, the platforms or any of the technology that we're using that really make the impact with the customer, like that entire customer experience. Um, and, and every one of those should be at our fingertips when we are creating that ideal customer experience. So. Ooh, you dropped a good phrase in yeah. there. You said the think holistically, because that's a phrase I think I've heard your CEO say. That he wants yep. to implement a holistic digital transformation. Can you tell I did some research? I'm impressed. Yeah. Yeah. Super yeah. impressed. Yeah. Nice I couldn't job. sleep. I'll be honest. I didn't sleep well because Kenny Rogers' song kept Kenny floating Rogers. through my head, lady. lady. But that, that's a, that is a quote that your CEO has said. That he's trying to implement a holistic digital transformation. So for the love of God, what does that mean? Well, we don't try to half-ass anything, so everything's whole. That's uh, the first goal. There's the other quote. Um, Maybe that's the that's, name of the show. We don't <laughs> half-ass anything. You know, it's three names. Um, it, really what it means is this, it, and, and frankly, we spend a lot of time educating internally about this topic. When you say the phrase digital transformation, or you say the word digital, a lot of people immediately go to digital channel. 
a mobile app, right? And a browser and something happening in the online world. Um, and what we're talking about is not a channel. Yes, that channel is part of it. But when he says a holistic digital transformation, we're talking about, you can say it a million different ways, but we're talking about actually building the company that'll thrive in today's digital world, tomorrow's digital world, and forever after. And so what that means is that we're looking at all channels. We don't, we, we want to be there for the client, as you, as you heard Joel or Justin say, um, wherever they are and however they need us, right? And frankly, especially in the relationship game, most people don't want to interact with you one way, right? You might text message with 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 your significant other in in with certain topics. You might sit down in person on other topics. You might have a romantic dinner about another topic. You might actually just call each other when there's something else going on or you might just hang out in the same space because sometimes that's enough to be together. And so when we think about relationship, we think about relationship and we don't think we're anybody's spouse or significant other, but we do think that we should and will be core to them because you don't actually have a way to enable the life that you have if you can't make money move back and forth and you can't get help with the small things and the big things over time, whether that's the business that you're starting or something happening in, in your life paying for a wedding in your case, right? Sometimes you can do that by yourself, congrats. And sometimes you need a little bit of help. And the help might just be transactionally to get money moved to different providers, or it might mean you need a loan or something like that. And so when he says holistic digital transformation, what we're all talking about is this isn't about a digital channel and those digital and tech people doing something over there in the cool space they get to work in. This is about the entire company thinking about digital first, thinking about the fact that every single customer we serve walks around with a device in their hand 24 hours a day, pretty much seven days a week, sleeping under their pillow, by their nightstand, whatever it happens to be. And so how do we integrate into that way of them living their life? How do we make sure that we represent ourselves both in terms of the human contact as well as the solutions we bring to life? When we sit and talk with some of our, I'll call them quote unquote business product teams, what we're talking about is if you're going to come out with the next X, I don't care what it is, the next great credit card, you should first be thinking about what does the digital world have to offer for that? And let's not start with what are the features and benefits or what are the what will MasterCard bring as the terms and conditions or the freebies or what does the plastic look like? All interesting and important. Let's first start with what's the job to be done for the customer. They have something to pay or someone to pay and they need to use a payment vehicle to do that generically. Now let's talk about what that payment vehicle is. Then let's talk about how to represent that in the digital world that we all live in and breathe in every single day. Then let's talk about the different support we need from human beings. Then let's talk about the channels to bring it to life. Then let's talk about the client experience. And eventually let's get around to the technology systems Justin had talked about. So that's a lot of what we talk about is that it doesn't start with a digital channel. It actually starts with a mindset and the way that we work and how we show up. And then it propagates all over the place. And Ryan Garner, I know you picked up on the jobs to be done mic drop that Melissa threw in and there. We're <laughs> massive fans of that approach at 11FS. Um, and, and, and talking about approach and everything else, we need to take a quick break so you can hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back. This deal sets apart. That this economy okay. is... We need to get down to business. Yeah. Uh, clearly the pressure is beginning. Business investment. Jobs. The more you hear about Brexit, the less clear it all becomes. When everyone else is shouting, listen. For the clarity behind the headlines, subscribe to the Financial Times. Visit ft.com. Today, customers are demanding greater value from financial services. They expect more agility, innovation, and security than ever before. 
Most financial institutions are held back by the shackles of closed legacy systems that limit transparency, block innovation and ignore customers' demands. Finastra has a bold vision to unlock the potential of people and business. They've created a platform for open innovation in the world of financial services with FusionFabric.cloud. Their solutions span retail, transaction lending, and treasury and capital markets on-premise and in the cloud. Start your transformation journey today with Finastra. And welcome back to Fintech Insiders from 11FS. We're hiring. Check out 11FS.com careers to find your dream new job. We have open roles in consulting, product, design, tech, research, benchmarking, foundry, pulse, ops, and just about every place you can think of. Check out our vacancies on 11FS.com careers now. All right, let's get on with the show. We are here with Fifth Third in Cincinnati. And we're moving on to our final topic, which is about innovation theater, which is slightly funny because the very first uh, place that we went was called One. Main, 167. 167, right, which is an incredible name. That's for your innovation center. I get that right? Yeah, so 167 is the name that we've given our design and innovation center. Um, the digital team works there too. And it's a take on Fifth Third Bank. Five thirds is 166.67%. If I'm honest, it's 6666 is repeating, but that would be terrible. So 167% because we give 167% for everything we do. I'm so glad you explained that because I thought it was like an old street address or the number of employees that were in there. Yeah, I had no clue. Well, at 11FS, one of the phrases we always say, and the stickers are real big on my laptop, is that we think digital banking is only 1% finished, which we don't we don't use as a knock. I love that. Yeah, well, we don't do it as a knock. We're saying we've just started, right? There's yeah. so much more to do. But that's also why we do get um, rather fed up when we do see innovation theater, right? When we see lip service given to something, uh, when we see only ping pong tables and the little beanbag chairs that you can't roll out of if you're my age and that kind of nonsense. So I've got to ask, how do you prevent that from happening? Because you can. It's so easy to creep over that line. Yeah. Yeah. You want to go ahead? Sure. Um, I mean, I, I think the, the very first thing is, you know, keeping the customer at the center, always knowing what um, what is the insight that you've uncovered that that is uh, discernible and uh, meaningful or impactful to the consumer themselves? And how do you start innovating from that? That's the first way. The other way is know that you're not doing this alone. Like when I when I join the bank, yeah, I might be coming in with a lot of outside knowledge, but there's a lot of other kids here to play with on the playground. And so I realize if I can start tying in the the innovation methodologies and thinking, like design thinking that we bring into the system, right into the lines of business and helping them overcome their challenges in in new and more creative ways, um, we will be creating things that are that are well beyond innovation theater. They are. They are real tangible uh, uh, artifacts and examples. So how, how do you keep the, the customer at the center? Um, and and uh, tangibly, how do you do that? Um, well, I think, you know, the very first thing is making sure that you, one, you've actually met the customer and actually have been in their context. <laughs> Why? Why? Why would you Why? do Why would you that? Go? I mean, when you've got a perfectly good tower you can idea, walk It's a but we actually try to talk to them, and they even do come in our space, and we go out and see them in other places. It's so and, radical. And then, and then, so how do you bring their stories back into the, the bank, back into the business? Um, and for us, that's done in a number of different ways, whether it's, it's through um, uh, imagery, storytelling, uh, film, any any uh, verbatims we have from the customer. And we have, of course, just as any bank, reams and reams and reams and reams of data. And it's a matter of like, how do we tell that story and put them first and foremost? One of the things I tell my designers and my innovators is that I always want them thinking through four lenses. I want them to think about, uh, when they're having empathy for the customer, uh, I want them to think about uh, what is the, what is the um, cognitive uh, challenge that the customer is trying to overcome? 
what is the perceptual challenge that they might be or trying to, or challenges they might be trying to overcome the physical challenges and then um, emotional are there emotional elements to any experience the customer is trying to go through and how are we accounting for each of those and innovating on them and if if you can't tell me a story of at least three of those four i don't think that's a rocket ready to launch yet i don't know that that should be necessarily something we move forward so it's like and for me it always starts with that customer but then what do we do then it's a matter of bring it into all of my other business counterparts and and getting them to think and operate in a much more creative way it's easy just to jump right to the solution, isn't yeah. it? And, and, oh, and it's, yeah, I mean, I it's, actually think that's one of the biggest uh, challenges in, in, in banking is like the industry is so quick to just come up with like there's a solution. It's a very linear approach when we actually need to be thinking in a much more organic or sometimes even exponential like way about about what we're trying to achieve. Yeah, I I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Right. Um, not not to do, not to knock digital wallets because I helped implement I think every single one of them at one point in my life. I even worked on ISIS. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh my god! They had a product named ISIS. For those of you that don't remember Telcos, nice move. Yep. Um, and then what they call it then? Soft card? It was like they went the no, completely what different was way. The new name? My they god. gave it something really gentle. Yeah. Like like mellow. Uh, but then we had to keep reminding everybody this is ISIS because yes. because no one knew what the new name oh, was. It was so, that was such a great time. And but we'll move right past that. But but how? You know, that, that sounds really good, right? But but how do you, especially as an engineer, right, Justin? I mean, you're coming, you're an engineer, right? I was laughing because I saw a T-shirt that said, yes, I'm an engineer. Let's just assume I'm right. <laughs> Love that. I'm going to buy that for you for Christmas. <laughs> so, so how do you come at that when you've got somebody like Joel coming from the design part and you've got this engineering background? How do you marry the two up? So one of the things I, I love the most is when you do have those challenges that come in as an engineer of questioning uh, your sense of what is true, what is right, what is the the real thing. Um, it forces, you know, engineers are people too, uh, believe it or not. Uh, software engineers, mechanical engineers. Another name for the show. Yeah, <laughs> engineers are people too. Engineers are people too. And, you know, as for myself as a software engineer, I, I don't want to make things that nobody wants to interact with. I don't want to make things that people soon forget about or dismiss. And the more that I can bring my, my own needs to the forefront, the more that all of us bring ourselves into this workspace and say, hey, let's take on the world of banking, uh, the more I, I see it as just being this mutual kind of push and pull of how do we build a better product? Yes, there are going to be the needs of, oh, we can just fix this. Here's the digital tool. Here's what needs to be done. Replace all your COBOL with what have you, and you'll be good to go. Truth is, the technology is always going to change. It's always going to constantly shift on you. And if you're in the, the Silicon Valley, that's where they've just been riding on. It's just that thin layer that shifts all the time. What we have that opportunity to do, we're bringing our whole selves uh, into work. We're looking at what are our needs, what are the customer needs, and really trying to build a complete solution, not just lipstick on a pig, not just back-end technology systems, but that complete solution. Yeah, there's always that analogy, right, that you're flying the plane, changing out the engines, painting it, putting in new carpeting, all while in the air. But that's, that's the reality, what you have to deal with without crashing it for hundreds of thousands or millions of customers. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's no pressure. Yeah, no pressure easy at all. Job. It's an easy <laughs> It's just technology. Yeah. I mean, how hard can it be? Yeah, make sure you innovate banking, but don't screw Right. <laughs> no matter what you do, <laughs> don't screw up. So, so when you take that from your team, though, Melissa, and you look across the entire bank, because you have multiple product lines mm -hmm. all over the place, you service so much, how do you get that messaging across? How do you make it so this isn't the cool kids with the great hair and the VR headset? It's everybody. 
Well, definitely it's the cool kids, but then, oh, okay. then we try to bring everybody <laughs> out. No, I'm just, I'm just this kidding. This is the coolest room people. you've ever seen, people, right now. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're you awesome. Know, he, he, the thing is, is that a couple, a couple pieces. First, um, we're here, we're here with and 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 not and not instead of. We're not we're not running a parallel path. And so everything we do in our organization, whether it's the innovation function, the design function, the customer experience function, the digital groups that we run, we're part of the businesses, right? For this chapter of Fifth Third's history, we're uniquely in one function together. I don't know if that's how it is forever. Um, we see, as an example, innovation is not our job over in the cool garage. Innovation is everybody's job. And our mission is to actually bring the ways that people can actually unlock their own innovative selves into the fabric of the company. Sometimes we invite them into our cool space. Sometimes we go to their space. Sometimes we go somewhere else. Um, but if we can, every time that we interact with, engage with, whether it's something we're specifically designing with them for a product, whether it's just a workshop they want us to host with them and help them with, um, or anything else that we're doing, what we're trying to do is if we give you one way to work differently, one idea that you might take back and it might spark something in your group, um, one one new technique, then that's a fantastic thing, right? And I'd say a lot of what we do may sometimes frustrate uh, some of our partners at first, but in the end, it gets us to a better place. We ask a lot of questions, right? Because it is easy to jump to the solution, it's easy to jump to the tactical execution. And one thing we're great at at our company is execution. We truly can, can get a lot done. But we have to back up and say, what is the actual thing that we're trying to accomplish? What is the what is the question that we ask ourselves? And so sometimes we'll find ourselves in a room and we'll say, hey, can you help me now, Justin? Because we're trying to get X done. And Justin will say, I'm sure I can help you. Can I back up about 500 miles and could I ask you what's going on, right? Um, and, and sometimes that can frustrate people, but generally we find that we come out the other side of it in a better place. Um, and, and that's really a lot of what we do. And so we have, you know, a cool space and we have really great other floors in our, in, in our building that people work in. We also have people working just like you'd imagine. I mean, some of our, some of our digital teams that are working in agile-like methodology are sitting in former conference rooms with no windows and hardly any air flowing through and, you know, turn the lights off because it's too bright and all that stuff that, that anybody's tried anywhere that they've been. Um, and we're bootstrapping certain places. We're making cool spaces in other areas. And overall, we figure it's all going to come together. But what our goal is to help every individual at the company, more than 20,000 of them now, be their most creative and productive self for whatever they're doing that day. And if we can be the beacon of light or the lighthouse for the company or however you want to say it, that helps them see that that's possible, then, then we're doing a great job. Um, it's hard. And some days people don't want to know that the sun is shining outside you know but we just keep fighting through it and figure that we'll come out and and certain days will be easier than others but overall we'll get to a better place so here's a question i've always wanted to ask a chief digital officer no i love this question (laughs) so you'll see this on twitter a lot or somebody will do a piece in medium and they'll talk about chief digital officers right and the quote is always you know amazon doesn't have a chief digital officer or google doesn't or facebook doesn't digital is just inherent to them how do you reply to a, a comment like that when it comes to banking yeah, I, I very easily. Um, I I hope for the day that you don't need people with special titles for any of these things that should be the DNA of how we run. I often, I, the customer experience function I run, I'm often quoted with that group saying, Zappos doesn't have anybody with the title customer experience, right? They're just known for it. They don't and have so, any titles anymore, do they? Yeah, I thought Tony like got all, rid of everything. He got rid of them all. And yeah. so my answer to that is, yeah, that's true. Um, and I hope that there's not digital titles, innovation titles, um, other titles, because I hope it's part and parcel to what everybody's doing. There was a time when I started in digital and digital banking, when folks that worked in digital thought that 
people in the other parts of the company were a threat if they knew anything about digital. We've graduated a bit past that. My hope is that in banking in five years, 10 years, everybody that works anywhere in the company has some type of experience in digital, no matter what that experience happens to be. And then you don't need a title like that. So I think it was Tim Spence. There's like, hey, I gave him a shout out. That's pretty nice good, shout. right? He'll love that. Yeah, Digital Innovator of the Year last year, I think. Yes, Digital so, Innovator of the So he's kind of passe year. now. Yeah. But hey, still, he was the flavor last year and it was really good. Um, but he had a quote that said, we include design in everything we do, which is a great quote. It yep. sounds really good. Yep. But I'm looking at Joel and Justin because you two have to actually implement that. So how? <laughs> you know, how do you actually look at everything from a bank standpoint and say, all right, design has to be incorporated in that? Well, I think I think first is establishing, you know, what are, what are, what is the definition of design for the bank, right? So, I mean, there's at the very high level design thinking, uh, and how do we use empathetic uh, creative processes in order to frame our business challenge to stay put that customer at the center and stay true to the customer insight that's going to make us unique, and then how do we even get to the right set of concepts that might begin to solve for that need. Um, uh, in, in a way that is right for the for the customer, but even like at that altitude, which are still pretty abstract, even at that altitude. But design does play there uh, because it's more in the thinking and the methodology. But then you're getting into um, and once you actually identify what the the, the experience is that you want to create, how do you put all five human senses um, right? right on your palette so that you can begin playing with all of those. So it doesn't, for, for me, when we're designing, it, 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 it doesn't matter if we're getting into... I'm, I'm sorry, I got stuck on the five a, senses. Yeah, thinking about how to smell, I'm going smell. To do oh banking. my God, smell and banking, but I had I to go. Yeah, but, you but, saw me. I knew yeah. it. But how, do you, but how do you do that across across all of those customer and client, or consumer and client touch points? Like, how do we, how do, we um, do that? Um, a lot of that is new. Uh, to to the the banking industry. I mean, that's actually one of the the parts of the job that can be both thrilling, but also can be a, a, a pain in the ass too. Is because you're bringing everyone up from like really you're really uh, educating as as you're doing. Um, but but thinking about those sensory aspects and how you bring them to life. Um, and, do, and for me, it's it's it, regardless of whether you're designing the next generation retail bank branch uh, or the new signage, or you're getting into a new type of mobile app uh, or any anything that's happening on uh, on our on our uh, website. All of that stuff together um, is creating customer experience, and those are touch points. Every single one has a design. And what you want to make sure of is that it's done consistently. It's done wrapped around the customer experience and matching what the customer's um, n- like need is, their actual financial need, but their emotional need as well. Um, and, that, and that you're creating like consistency across the board. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, but it's, a, it's definitely a big job too. Yeah, and can, can I, adding on to that, um, w- again, eventually I hope there's not a functional name that has to be this, but when when I got here and then Joel came a, a little bit after and we started collaborating, um, there wasn't an actual function at Fifth Third called design. Um, and f- Whoa. Yeah. Really? It doesn't mean there what wasn't... What was it? It work. was just considered part of the it process. It doesn't mean there wasn't work going on that could fall well, yeah. into what a design function, but that wasn't an actual function. So there was digital user experience. There was work going on with, um, you know, with in retail banking for branches where an agency would be hired to help do design work, right? But there wasn't an actual function. And and um, you know, being a person who's focused in this area before, and and meeting Joel as he came in on the innovation side, we sort of stepped back and said, "Hey, like this is a huge deal." And Tim Spence, who who we work for who you quoted um, is 
is really, really knowledgeable in this area. The years of consulting, years of consulting with banks, um, uh, startup and, and tech experience before that, um, and frankly, just a student of design in general. He can quote things in books and famous designers over the course of time and a lot of different things. He also has a lot of interest in urban planning and architectural things. So he's just a, he's a, you know, student of a lot. And he's a renaissance he's a man. Renaissance is man. he not? And yes. we started talking about design and the importance of design and designing every single interaction and every single visual display with intent. And so we, I'm sure there may have been a design function at Fifth Third at some point, but there wasn't when I got here. There wasn't when Joel came. And so we decided to found the function and we brought a few things together. And one of the first things we did, back to your question, Sam, of, well, like, what is, how do you actually get that going is we actually just created some bodies of work that show the possibility of design. So that actually our executives and our senior leaders across the company, let's call it, you know, 100-ish people, could, could actually physically see and touch what design is. And so we did things like card, physical card, not the artwork on a credit card or a debit card, but physical, right? We did things like, hey, if you're gonna do a branch design for the next storefront, the next branch front, what if when you looked at one of those partitions, it actually had the Fifth Third Shield, which is actually part of our DNA and part of our heritage. And actually the shield for Fifth Third is actually where our headquarters, Fountain Square is. It was one of the first city blocks, planned city blocks in Cincinnati, right? And what if we actually brought that to life? And so we just literally started physically creating displays of design and then bringing people through them and started talking about, let's talk about your own life. Let's talk about experiences that you have where you interact with amazing design and where you actually approach things with empathy. And, and we started having the conversations. And so everything that Joel said, but in a company, in a corporation, and you've worked at large corporations, it doesn't roll off the tongue. And in banking, you don't go, hey, yeah, let's do a bunch of design stuff. Be, what You know what people say? That doesn't sound like it's financially going to return value. That doesn't exactly. sound like that's going to make a difference. And so a lot of it is actually creating things that people can interact with, engage with, and go, oh. And that's some of the quotes that we got from some of our leaders is, wait, could we do X and whatever X happens to be? And so really it started with just let's create enough bodies that people can actually react to them and interact with them and then have their own what ifs. And then all of a sudden it started to take on not yet a full life of its own, but enough of a life that people said, hey, what do you two need so we can do more of this? And it was like, I don't know, a couple people and a couple hundred thousand dollars and we'll figure it out from there. So for us, a lot of the transformation part, the digital transformation, the transformation of Fifth Third, the change of the bank starts with actually if you expose people to the possibility of something, design or otherwise, they actually come back with a lot of support and a lot of engagement. But if they've never seen it, touched it, tasted or smelt it, they have no idea where to start. Well, you know what I find interesting is the outsider in the room is the the excitement around the topic is palpable. Yeah. Right? And and all three of you are completely different, right? Very. So Melissa, the banker, Joel, the designer, Justin, the engineer, <laughs> right? Literally, that's like a really weird Venn diagram with the platypus in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> when you think about it, if you blend all three of you together, but it's palpable with all three of you, right? The excitement for it, which is good because you're three years in. Yeah. Right? So to still have that excitement and to see that change, that's incredibly encouraging. And I think that says something good from a U.S. standpoint. But unfortunately, we're out of time. So um, we have to wrap this episode up. We want to thank you so much to all of our guests. Where can people find out more about you and the work you're doing here at Fifth Third? So, Melissa, where's the best place? I, I'm going to pass it to Joel. Where's the best place? Now, did you like how she passed well, to, the to find out more about the work that we're doing? Well, how about you specifically, Joel? Oh, uh, I, I, uh, LinkedIn would definitely be one of the best places to learn about me. And an awesome uh, shirt in that LinkedIn photo, by yep. the way. What's, it looks like 
the the blend of your shirt and jacket in that picture yeah is a great visual representation of you let me just say that. i love that <laughs> thank you justin you too what about oh. you justin linkedin <laughs> linkedin uh would be kind of first and foremost uh, uh, i'll tell you which one from melissa go out on youtube and just google her name and there's a a talk you did for like 15 minutes on time oh. watch that one you're good you'll know everything you need to know about <laughs> melissa all right and, and as for me you know it's sam all um, on Twitter, or just go to the 11FS website. What'd you think of today's stories? Let us know on Twitter at Fintech Insiders or email podcast at 11FS.com. And don't forget, if you love the show, be sure to leave us a review. As always, five stars. If you're not going to leave five stars, don't leave a review. Thanks to those who have done that already. We love reading them, and we actually do. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Periscope for more content, including Fintech Insider on our new show called Pulse Home Screen. Thanks for listening. See you next time.